You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Praise God. Okay, this morning I'm expectant and I'm trusting that the Spirit of the Living God will help me. Praise the Lord. And will also help you because um, these are one of the few times that Days before the meeting, the Lord lets me know what, you know, we are to look at. And those moments, I'm always very afraid. And afraid in the sense that I want to be faithful enough. I want to, to be, you know, yielded enough to do justice to such a privilege. A couple of days ago, while, you know, in the presence of the Lord, just uh, ministering to the Lord and the Lord ministering to me, he dropped a word in my spirit, and the word was simple. He said, my people, the problem my people have is that they don't enjoy me. They don't enjoy me. And that was the beginning of, you know, this meditation. I'm sure we won't finish this this morning. We cannot. But then um, we're going to start it, and the Lord will help us as we do so in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Job chapter 22 Verse 25, normally we'll start from verse 1, which says, Now and acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. But I'll just read 25 and 26 now. And it says, Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. It says, Yes, the Almighty will be your gold. He won't give you gold. He will be your gold. I want you to know that. And your silver. He says, for then you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. Psalm 37. I think it's um, the verse for those who use the... Um, the U version Bible verse for today. I think it's Psalm 37 verse 4. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. My key, many times I read this verse, I'm going to the second part which says, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. But this morning, I want you to just say, delight yourself in the Lord, which is simply saying what? Enjoy the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then in Psalm 27 now, verse 4, we find the psalmist here saying, it says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing, not two. One thing I have desired of the Lord. That will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To do what? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Notice the flow. It says, I will dwell there. What do I do there? I behold the beauty of the Lord. How many of us have visited a museum before? Did you buy anything? What do you go to do? You go to behold. And, you know, you see people stand there staring. They're asking questions. And are reading about what they're looking at. This is what the psalmist is saying. Now we'll step back there. And I want to ask you a question quickly. And I want you to give an answer to yourself. 
What was your best subject in school? Anybody has any best subject when he was in school? Every one of us. Raise your hand now. Praise God. You had a best subject in school. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why was that subject your best subject? Because you excelled in it. Right? Most likely you excelled in it. Okay? Am I right? You excelled in it. But do you know why you really excelled in it? Because you enjoyed it. It's because you enjoyed it. That's why you did what? You excelled in it. Now, we know many people have problems with mathematics. You know why? Because the way mathematics is introduced is introduced with fear. And many people are afraid of it, not having even examined it. But you see, there are some subjects that most people seem to like. They say literature and all of that. And what also you find out is that if you liked the teacher or the lecturer, somehow you like the subject. Why is that so? Because that's the way human beings have been configured. That whatever you enjoy, you excel in. And the devil, knowing that, has brought this battle to you and I as Christians. So even though many people claim the knowledge of God or the worship of God, the truth is that few actually have gotten to the place where the Almighty is their delight. And it's a difficult thing, but the Spirit of God is a master in performing difficult things, isn't he? Praise the Lord. The Bible makes us understand, okay, that when Adam and Eve sinned, they lost a lot. One of the things they lost was the privilege of fellowshipping with God, okay? So God said, the day you eat of this, what, what is going to happen? You will die. Part of that dying, amongst other things it might imply, is that man lost fellowship with God. And when man lost fellowship with God, equally God lost fellowship with man. Now, if you read the Bible from beginning to the end, most of the things you're going to see, you will see that everything works in a mirror form. So God loves you, and then what does he want you to do? He wants you to do what? To love him back. Now, at the garden, before man fell, what did the Bible say that God used to do? God will come down in the cool of the day to do what? To fellowship with man. Do you know that at that time there was no offering? Offering is as a result of sin. It was after the fall. Before the fall, Adam and Eve was not killing any animal giving to God. God would just come down and sit down with Adam and they'll be talking. You know why? They were in love. God loved Adam and Adam loved God. Until the wicked Satan came and scattered everything. Then the things got a bit complicated. But the good news is that in Christ Jesus, we are restored to that place of love. Praise the Lord. Where God enjoys us. That's why, you see, Jesus, the love. I, I thank God for the songs we sang. You know, Jesus, you love me how much? Too much, too much, too much. He loves me too much. He loves you too much. And the truth is, if he loves you too much, then the transaction is not complete or better still. It's not beneficial to you until you do what? You also learn to love him as much. So that is why when you read the Bible, this may explain a lot of things when we read the Bible. When you read the Bible and you begin to see God 
insists that the greatest commandment that he wants to command you and I is that we do what? That we love him with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our soul, with all our might. Why does he require that of us? Because he has what? Loved us in the same way. He has loved us in the same way. And he knows that that is the height, that is the summit of any attainment when a man learns or comes to love God. Praise the Lord. It's an end on its own. It's not a process. It's not I love God, he does this. No. When I love him and enjoy, the psalmist said, to dwell in your prayer, to behold the beauty. Many years ago, and then the truth also, the first time we went to the United States of America, a friend of mine, a very dear friend, you know, senior friend, uh, my older brother's friend, offered to take us to Universal Studios. Me coming from Nigeria and being an Unewe man, I said to him, please, the money that we're going to use to pay gate fee to see Universal Studios, let's use it and go and do shopping. Now I'm older and wiser, I regret it because I never saw the back places where they did all these film tricks that they're showing us. But you see, then it didn't make sense to me. What am I going to see some things and then maybe we'll pay $500. Let's use that and buy jeans and t-shirts and things like that. So that when you come back, you know those days when you travel, you owe everybody in Nigeria. Traveling is a debt. When you come back, you owe your village people, you owe your colleagues, you owe your neighbors because you've gone to America. And when you got there, you told them that you had friends and neighbors so everywhere you went. So that was our occupation to fill our boxes with things, you know. But then we see the psalmist saying, I come to God not to shop. I come to enjoy him. Praise the Lord. I come to dwell in, I come to enjoy him. And we read through the Bible, we see this flowing through. He says, you must love me like I love you. Why? Love is the highest form. Of enjoyment. When you get into it, you'll see what it means to really enjoy something. Have you imagined in Africa, because of the level of our poverty and frustration, we hate animals. We see a squirrel, we kill it. We see a cat, we kick it. We see a dog, we stone it. We see whatever it is. But you see these white people who have attained what um, is it Karl Marx called the hierarchy of need. They've paid rent. They don't, they're not bothering about rent, school fees, and all of that. When they see squirrel, they say, oh, cute. They will even kiss it. You see, they are not fighting with the environment again. Whereas everything here is an enemy. So you see people, you see people in that climb. You see a lady, she'll go to the university, study, get a doctorate, and then decide to move into a jungle to study a particular squirrel for 15 years. And you see, she falls in love with it. And every day, she resumes there with her khaki jeans. She's not asking for marriage. She's not asking for children. I'm trying to say that so that you, the believer watching me, will judge whether you love God at all or whether you enjoy it. These people are so, while they're in the forest, they're not thinking of who will marry them. They are just studying the squirrel. Then when they find something about, they shout, hey, hey, do you know? I just saw it. It just kissed her. And you're wondering, But then, you know what is there? You know what is there? God created you and I to function like that. We are to function in a place where enjoyment of what is right, okay, what is true, becomes the highest attainment for us. And that is why God says, it is me you are to enjoy. A few of us may have heard about this. Is the Westminster Shorter Catechism. How many of us have heard of them? 
Westminster Shorter Catechism, where the question is asked, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief purpose of man? How many of us have heard that question? What is the chief purpose or end of man? And the answer is simple. It says to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Another way to look at that answer is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. That is the chief end of man, to glorify God and enjoy him forever, or to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Bible scholars through the centuries have agreed in this one thing, and I thank God that, you know, the Spirit of God ministered it to me. Before, I, as I studied, I saw this. And he said, simple. He said, there is a flow in the relationship or in the position people have towards me. And we're going to do that as intro. Like I said, we can't do justice to this. But one of the things we'll achieve is that we'll begin to pray that God will help us. Amen? That's the most important part of it. But let me lay background so we can have a frame to what we are learning. There are Different levels at which people relate to God. The first level, which we're going to see here, is the level of rebellion or defense. Okay? At this level, the person, you know, fights God, in essence. You know, resists God, fights God. Then there's the second level, which is the level of ignore. Is to ignore God. You're not fighting him. You just ignore him. You just live your life. Then there's the third level which is a much better level. This level is the level of acknowledgement. You see, at this level, people acknowledge God. What it means in this sense is that, how many of us had fathers that went to church on occasions? You see, so they're not rebelling against God. They don't stop your mother, you know, from going to church. They don't stop you from going, you know. But when they are advising you, I say, but God said it, they say, my son, I'm warning you. Listen to me. You see, they acknowledge God, okay, but that is where they stop. It's like part of the protocol. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, this, this, and then you say what you really want to say. They don't change because of God, but they acknowledge him. Then there's the other level which captures a lot of us. And this level is where we relate to God. We don't just acknowledge him, but we know we need him. Praise the Lord. At this level, our need of God, God is a necessity to us. Praise the Lord. And this level is beautiful because at this point, you know, people go to church. This is where you find most religious people. They are aware of his need. But beyond this level is the level where you don't just need God. You do what? You enjoy God. You enjoy God. And I'm going to go back and give a bit detail so we capture it. And we shift no matter where we started at. The level of rebellion or rebelling against God or defiance towards God is where you find in Exodus 5.2. Exodus 5.2. This is the level where people say, who is the Lord that I should want? Obey him. This is where we find Pharaoh in Exodus 5.2. And we'll find Nebuchadnezzar as well. These are the people who to them, they are God. And every other person claiming to God is an imposter. So you find out in the stories in the Bible, wherever these such persons are found, God humbled them and taught them a lesson. 
Nebuchadnezzar said to the three Hebrew boys, Daniel 3.15. You've taken Exodus 5.2. Daniel 3.15. He said, who is the Lord that will deliver you from my hands? Why? He had set up an image, an image of Nebuchadnezzar, which everybody should bow to. And these people are coming to say they will not bow to it. So he said, what is going on here? I am the God here. I am the God here. You know, so this is the level where people defy God and say they themselves are God. And the chairman of this group, we know him, Isaiah 14, 13, 14 down, or even from before them, but you can just give us 13 and 14. Isaiah 14, 13 and 14. The chairman of this group is Satan himself. He's Lucifer. Remember, at the beginning, there was no Satan. Okay? But what happened was that at some point, Lucifer said to himself, I am going to ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit. Uh, it's the only you that should be worshipped. I will also sit on the mount of congregation. You see, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. This is the level where they challenge him. And they say, you actually should get off your seat. But God, if you read further down, you see that God teaches every such person a lesson. He has no patience with such people. And I pray that there is nobody listening or watching that is in that group. If you are, repent quickly. Amen. The second level is where this person is not defying God. He's not pointing fingers in the face of God. He's just ignoring him. And at this level, we find a lot of people, okay? A lot more people in this level. And the first example of such a person we find in Genesis chapter 4 verse 6 and 8. The boy's name or man's name is called Cain. Now what happened with Cain was Cain had the privilege of God speaking to him. We learned the other day that God humbles himself to behold the things that are done on earth. God came down to say to Cain, Cain, why are you so angry? You know, when I was in, the, in school, both secondary school and university, I don't know if it happened to you, but I'm one of those students that lecturers don't like and teachers don't like. Anybody like that here? They just don't like me. I don't know why. They just have no... A few of them, the arts teacher, that's why I liked arts. The arts teacher liked me, you know. But you find there are some students where even when they make a mistake, the teacher will come to their desk and say, why did you do it this way? Why don't you do it this way? Do it this way. The few times teachers did that for me, I smashed that course. You know what? I felt so honored that the teacher will come personally and correct me. Anybody had that experience? Okay. Now, Cain had the experience of God coming down to him to say to him, Cain, why are you so angry? You can do better. Listen, sin lies at your door. Just do well and we'll get on with this. But you know what the Bible said? Look at verse 7. If you do well, look at verse 8. After God spoke to Cain, did you see Cain talk to God? Who did Cain talk to? He talked to his brother. He waved God off like a fly. This is a level where men ignore God. And many people are in this state. They are living their lives and God is sending prophets, sending messages. Coronavirus, the COVID-19 pandemic is God sending messages to people. What is happening? Your vacations, you can't go on them. All the things that you delighted on. Those people that frequent nightclubs and all of that. God is just sending messages. Your life does not depend on this. He's trying to catch the attention. And before you get too excited, those that depended on watching football, they started playing a bit of football. 
Do you know that God is jealous because the way people shout when they watch football, they don't shout like that when they're praising God. And God is taking note of it. Yeah! If you shout like that when Asna or Manu scores, and you don't shout like that when they say praise the Lord, Wahala Day. If your nature is to get excited in some things, then be careful that the excitement in the things of God surpasses all of that. If not, you'll be challenging God. Anyway, because of time. So Cain ignored, God came down and gave him personal attention. But you did see Cain turning back to God to say, but, you know, I feel this way. He ignored him completely, took his brother Abel, went and killed him. Went and killed him. Another example of that quickly is a man named Esau. Esau in Genesis 28 verse 32. We're told about Esau and in this particular account, Esau was hungry. Esau was hungry and his brother, you know, being a very tricky man, would not give him food considering brotherly love. He said, we have to negotiate something here. He said, give me your birthright and then I will give you this food. Now, the statement Esau made will show you completely that he ignored God. What did he say? He said to him, he said, what is birthright to me? I'm about to die. Now, when we read these things, please let us, you know, ask the Spirit to help us search our lives. He said, what is birthright to me? I'm about to die. He said to him, give me this thing. Let me eat. Take birthright. I don't care about birthright. Now, the sense there is this. Who gives him or who gave him that birthright? It is of God. It is of God. It's supposed to be the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of who? Esau. That's what it's supposed to be. But this man is so, you know, he's so disinterested in what God is doing and what God is saying that he said, Give me the food. If I die, what is the better? Let me tell you the truth is this is you should rather die. Than lose what God has committed into your hands. You know why? That is the purpose why he created you. Praise the Lord. How many of us drive cars there and we buy fuel? Imagine if you bought fuel and your fuel said, I know go die. You know what that is? It's engine knocking. When you buy fuel, fuel knows that the reason you bought it is for it to burn. And then as it burns, what will happen? Your car will move. So if death is part of the calling that God, you know, in whatever manner, that God has called you, then die in that path and fulfill purpose. But when you ignore the God that created you and you ignore the agenda of God, you will not consider that he said, now is he still alive? Is Esau still alive? He's still dead. And then he's dead without birthright. Somebody be wise. Praise the Lord. So this is the second group, those who ignore God. These are the profane people, the worldly people, the non-spiritual people. A lot of these people frequent churches from time to time. Okay, they come, you know, from time, they like, sometimes they, but when it becomes personal, these are the people that complain. You know, many years ago, I invited a friend of mine to church. Luckily for me, the day he came, I was not the one preaching. So I think, um, I can't remember the pastor that preached. And then after he came to me and said, so you went and told your brother or your pastor or whatever that I'm coming to church. And he was just telling all my business on the the pulpit. And I said to him, that means God loves you. Because of that, he didn't come back. He thought that when we come to church, he's such a major, you know, personality that the sermon is about him. Have you heard people tell you that, that the pastor was preaching about them and they're offended? May you not be in that group in Jesus' name. 
Imagine if the president decides to address the nation and mentions me in particular. Doesn't that tell of my importance? Hallelujah. So rebel, ignore. The next group is which is better than ignore is that these people acknowledge God. Now, this acknowledgement, let me ex- explain you because there's an acknowledgement of gratitude where you go to God and you know he's your source, he's your maker and all of that. This acknowledgement is the acknowledgement of conceding. It is the one of, okay, 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 I know, I know, I know. I mean, I mean somebody must have put the sun there. I know now, I, how, how did uh, my mother's mother, you know, that's the level where they concede that there is God, okay? But the thing about this level, as you would see in um, Isaiah, where do we take it now? Give me Isaiah 29, 13, please. Isaiah 29 says, these people, they draw near me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips. But what? But their hearts, they have removed far from me. This is a group where you find Saul. Saul, the king, God made him king. Praise the Lord. God made him king. Now, Saul knew there was God. It was God that made him king. The prophet, you know, by divine revelation, told him what happened to the father's, you know, livestock. So he knew there was God. But look at his life in 1 Samuel 15, verse 30, quickly. In 1 Samuel 15, 30, when God, you know, had confronted this Samuel, with the sin that he committed against him. This is what Saul said. Let's read it together. He said, I have sinned. I've sinned. He said what? Honor me. This is the attitude we use when you break traffic light. And then yellow fever stops you. I say, uh-huh, I beat it, but I'm in a hurry. You get what I'm saying? You acknowledge you beat it, but then is that why you should stop me in Nigeria? When, even when you're obeying it, somebody wants to run you over. So beating it is not a big deal. I've sinned against God, but please, let's leave that matter for now. I'm the king. He says, honor me and do that before the elders of my people and before Israel. And then let us go and worship your God. I seen the attitude here. And God is taking note of all these things. This is the group where people, when they refer to God, they say the man upstairs. Praise the Lord. These are the people that, you know, wave to God and salute God. And when you hear them, you could sense that these people, there's just something missing. They speak the words, but you can see there is no gravity. Our brothers in the Muslim faith, when they are writing and they write the name of their whatever, they put respect in bracket. Have you noticed that? Okay. Now, the Jews also would not even mention the name God just like that. They would write it. And that's how come they had to get some other form of doing it without dishonoring who God is because it was so high. Now, the same thing here. These people who acknowledge God, they don't give him the honor. Let's go back to Isaiah 29 and let's see, let's see the easy to read version. Quickly, please. Isaiah 29, it says, easy to read version. The next group is the need. And this is where you find, you know, many, many churchgoers. Part of the things we've been dealing with in this season is the churchgoers. And our prayer is that we will exceed or rise higher than ordinary churchgoers. And it's not really a fault of theirs. It is a fault of the way the message has been presented. You know, in Nigeria, we learned, it was during the last election, we learned what is called stomach infrastructure. How many of us have heard of it? 
Praise the Lord. So it's not, you don't win, this man says you don't win election by building roads and hospitals and schools. You win election by giving the public what? Rice and the indomie and some cash. Okay? Now there are some people that their attitude to the faith is stomach infrastructure. And it's not strange. It started from Bible time in John 6, 26 and 27. You can help us with that on the screen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said to this people, he said, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but what? Because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now look at what is going on here. The loaf itself was a miracle, isn't it? But Jesus is saying, there's something about your seeking me. You still have not gotten the message that I want to pass across to you. You're seeking me for temporary things. You can give us 27. He says to them, please do not labor for the food, what? Which perishes. Let's stop here. Anytime my primary pursuit of God is something that will not last for eternity, I am at the level where I am seeking him for convenience. You know, if I come to your house and say, may I use your convenience? If I went into that convenience and stayed for four hours, what are you going to do? You will ask me, oh boy, is something wrong? Why? Because the convenience is for me to be used for, depending on the type of wahala you're going through. A few seconds to a few minutes and for some people, maybe... You know, it might get in two hours. You use it and you come out. This is where a lot of people have God. God is for convenience. So the last time they sought God desperately, it was for marriage. And then when they got married, the last time also you see them pushing towards God was for children. Then the last time it was, it was their child was sick and they needed healing. And the next time it was, was that there was need for admission. And it was so tough and they pushed. So God was something that they visited and they came out. It was a level where God is only as measured as he's beneficial. So this is where you find us, you know, everything you hear us say is our enemy, God to destroy our enemies or to God to give me a breakthrough or for God to deliver me from this or for God to heal me or for God to prosper me or for God to work this miracle for me. Now, all those things God does and God do it. Praise the Lord. But then he said, don't seek me because of them. Let's have that in the living Bible, please. John 6, 26 and 27. He said, Jesus replied, the truth of the matter, look at it, is that you want to be with me because I fed you. Not because what? You believe in me. You want to be with me. That is a fact. But the reason you want to be with me is what is in contention. It says, not because I fed you, not because I healed you, not because, but because what you believe. Then it goes on, it says, 27 says, but you shouldn't be concerned about what? Perishable things like food. It says, no, what should you do? Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that I the Messiah. And like we've learned here, the key way to separate those things is this. Anything, that is what has helped me personally, and I, I'm sure it will help. Anything that I can get from God, that the hidden gets from God, is not it. Do you get that differentiation? Anything that I'm trying to get from God, that the hidden also gets from God, is not it. Cannot be it. 
Because the Bible says to us in John 1, 2, as many as received him to them, what? He gave the power or the right what? to become children of God. It's an exclusive group. Now, if in this exclusive group, what distinguishes me is what the world has, then it's no longer exclusive. So prosperity, the world also prospers. Healing, God also heals unbelievers. Praise the Lord. Children, mad women. There is one case now about somebody that raped a mad woman and the mad woman, you know, whatever. Mad women have children. Marriages, prostitutes, you know, all kinds of people marry. So how can that be what I seek God for? If those who are not seeking him are getting it, I should up my game. Say to yourself, I should up my game. Praise the Lord. So this is the level. And unfortunately, because people don't get it, they stay at this level And, you know, we the preachers, we tailor the message to satisfy these needs. And in doing that, we come short of the very purpose for which God created us. Remember, we started by saying, in Genesis, before the fall of man, man was not sick, man was not poor, man was not even offering sacrifices to God. What was man doing with God? Man was enjoying God, and God was what? Enjoying man. Now, that is what God wants to restore to us. Praise the Lord. Now, in Psalm 27, verse 4, that we read, Psalm 27, 4, we see this next level. It says, the one thing that I deserve the Lord, and that will I say. He says that the word, I may dwell in the house of the Lord. In another place, this is the way the psalmist said. He said, a day in your courts is better than what? A thousand elsewhere. He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. You see, when you read these things, I beg you, please pause. These are keys. They are codes that unlock the secret and the beauty of this relationship we have with God. So the Bible begins early in the story, in the word of God. In Genesis 5.24, introduces a man. Who had it all? You know, I love this man. If I were to take an English name, maybe it was one that I would take. Enoch, in Genesis 5, 24, the Bible says of this man, it says, and Enoch walked with God and was what? And he was not. Why? For God took him. He walked with God. He had such sweet fellowship. He enjoyed God so much and God enjoyed him so much. And you know, we are looking forward to the marriage in future. God married this man immediately. Took him. That's rapture. Praise the Lord. That's resurrection. That's all. Anything you can call it. God took him. And he was not. Why? They got the perfect combination ever since the fall of Adam and Eve. God saw a man who just loved him. Who just enjoyed him. And God also enjoyed him. And he took the man. You know, as I was meditating on this, you know what dawned on me? You know, oftentimes we say here, heaven is our goal, heaven is our goal. The truth is that heaven is our goal. But heaven is a product of enjoying and delighting in God here on earth. You see, it will be punishment. Let me help you. It will be punishment, you that are watching, for God to take you to heaven if you're not enjoying him here. It will be a kidnap. Or is it a kidnapping? For God to take you to heaven where you're not enjoying him. You know, when, when our Lord Jesus spoke of heaven, he never spoke of it, you know, on its own. In John 14, John 14 from verse 1 to 3, please. In John 14 from verse 1 to 3, Jesus here trying to, you know, calm the hearts of his people. He said to them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In verse 2, he says, 
It says, in my father's house are what? Many mansions. This is talking about heaven now. If it were not so, I would have told you, what am I doing? I'm going to prepare a place for you. But look at verse 3. It was now as, you know, the Lord was ministering to me. Look at verse 3. Can we read it together, everybody? And it says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, what am I going to do? I will come again and receive you to myself. What is the goal? That where I am, there you what may be also. That is the inner attainment. So heaven is heaven, even though it has streets of gold, even though there's no death there, there's no sickness there, even though, I mean, all of that is there. Heaven is heaven because I will be with him. You know, I've always told you about what my wife used to finish me. Before I married her, she said, even if we're going to live in the village, in one room boy's quarters, she is just in love with me. Let us go. I, I said to myself, can you find this type of love? In Lagos. That's what happened to me. I said somebody loved me like this to be willing to go to Amici. And live in the boys quarters. Anything finished me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So the thing that makes heaven is that Jesus says you will be with me. You'll be with me. And that's the secret of the saints that have journeyed before us. When Stephen was being stoned, remember, the Bible says his eyes, or rather, either his eyes were opened or heaven was opened or both were opened. And what did he do? He saw Jesus standing. And at that point, you know, any request he made would have been granted. You know that. And that's why I tell you, don't bother when people die. The bother is, did they go to heaven? When that heaven was opened and he saw Jesus, he didn't ask that they would kill those who were stoning him. He just said, Lord, please have mercy on them. Let us go. When he saw Jesus, all he wanted was what? To be with Jesus. That's what we are talking about. It's such love. So what do we see here? One of the things that distinguishes Christianity from all the other things that people engage in in the form of religion is some very pertinent statements that are made. In John 1, 12, we refer to it. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. No other religion has God calling his subjects or whatever children they don't have that relationship that's why the bible didn't just call us children it said he gave them the right so when i say god i'm a child of god praise the lord i have the license is somebody getting what i'm saying through jesus christ i have the license to call myself you don't claim that like that you don't just go about and then better still in first john 3 1 It's also put in another way. It says, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that that we should be called children. You see, we don't capture it. The Holy Spirit will help us. That's why the Bible was trying to help us understand this is not just a mean. It just didn't happen. It's a privilege that we are children of God. It's an honor. It's not a common thing. Now, what is the importance of this? Where this leads to people of God... It's like the Apostle Paul says, we can now cry, Abba, Father. Listen, many of us here have children, and if you don't have, you're still going to have. If Jesus starries, you're going to marry and have children. Praise the Lord. Amen. In the name of Jesus, it will happen. God is good. Praise the Lord. But I don't know anybody that looks at the three-year-old and begins to wonder, how much money have you made for me lately? Anybody does that? Maybe when they get to 20, I've been asking Tuski, how much money are you contributing to house rent? 
you know. But you don't look at your child. You don't look at your baby. You know, that beautiful baby you're carrying. And you're just wondering, how much I go make money for this baby. Does anybody do that? Nobody does that. When you look at the baby, what happens? You're just enjoying the baby. And then when those babies, some of them can just, you know, put it in your face. When you want to carry them and they run away from you, when they run to their mommy, the way they gum their faces to their mommy and they're just looking at you like that. I get mama, you know, get mama. You see, it's just enjoyment both ways. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's where you and I are supposed to be with God. That's where he wants us to be. Where we find delight. You see, oftentimes when children cry, okay, all they need is for their mother to carry them. When the mother carries that child, the thing the child is crying is secondary. Mother is here. It's okay. Now, the same way the child of God, that's what the psalmist was saying. That's what we're being told in you. The almighty will be what? Your God. Will be your God. God said to the Levites in the Old Testament. He says, I will be what? Your inheritance. Who are the Levites today? We're not even just Levites. We're greater than Levites. And God is saying to you, whether you have the money, whether you have been healed, whether you have been promoted, whether you have married, whether COVID is affecting you negatively. He says, enjoy me. He says, enjoy me. He says, find delight in me. Is somebody hearing me? Find the light in him. Subsequently, we're going to continue because I need us to pray. So the Bible says, you know, John 10 verse 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus says what? That you may have life and have it what? More abundantly. Now, many times we think that this thief, the devil, he wants to steal our contract. And it can be painful. Somebody here that has experienced that lately, you know, I feel for you. You know, many years, I was going to make in 1997, I was going to make almost about 50 million, which, is, which then is about 40, $40 million dollars also. I was going to do a major job in sectorate, this sectorate that was being built. A major job. Send the samples, done the proposals and all of that. The week they approved the job, my line was caught, my phone line. So they were calling me. They couldn't reach me. After some time, I said, ah, let me even just go and check this. When I entered the office, everybody was shouting, Chai, ah, ah, where have you been? What happened? And right there, they told me that they looked for me to give this job. They had to leave Abuja to go to Lagos and give the job to somebody. Now, what happened? I believe. I don't know. God loves me. Praise the Lord. But I think the devil was part of the people that caught that line. Are you getting what I'm saying? But you see, the, yes, yes, I think he must have sent the people that caught that line because I would have made a lot of... But the danger is that I could have made that money. I was, not, I was pastoring then. But who knows, I could have become the type of pastor that say, my Lord, you know what I'm saying? So who knows? But what I'm trying to say is this. This thief does not come to steal your money. That's not what... You see, one million boys can steal your money. That's what I'm interested in. Kidnappers can kidnap, you know, to make money. That's what I... But the devil being the ultimate and the consummate thief, do you think if he knows there is something higher, he will steal something lower? You know what he goes to steal? He goes to steal your enjoyment of God. And that is why you and I must contend for it. 
He goes to steal my enjoyment of God. Listen to me. When you and I get it right, we will see what Enoch understood. We will see what David understood. We will see what this man understood. David was a king. Okay, let's take David for instance. David was anointed to be king to replace Saul. And here was Saul disobeying God, trying to murder him. That's what it was. Saul was trying to murder him. And David would not kill Saul and take the throne. You know why? He was enjoying God more than he thought he would enjoy the throne. He knew that killing Saul will give him the throne, but it will cost him the enjoyment of God. I don't want to go in there, but we're going to take this deeper and see how to be free from the power of sin. Somebody say, I want to hear that. You can be free, I'm telling you, because everybody wants to enjoy. So this enemy attacks our enjoyment. You think he's attacking? No, he's attacking your enjoyment of God. So the psalmist cried in Psalm 51 verse 12. Let's rise on our feet. It says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's what he said. This is salvation comes with this joy. But the devil steals it. If you're born again, that joy has been given to you. The Bible says there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner. When heaven is rejoicing, I bet you there's rejoicing for you as well. It's the, the psalmist said, that joy, I want it back. I want when I hear God, I will be happy. You know, we have raised our children. We have raised churches and church members to think God is punishment. Anytime you hear God, he say, just do it. Just do it. Just struggle and do it. But the truth is that God says, no. Let my children see the beauty. Let them see my excellence. Let them come and enjoy me. So it says, restore to me. I need you to begin to pray. Restore to me, oh my God, the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. When the Holy Ghost comes, he comes with joy. He comes with the presence of the Lord. The psalmist said, in your presence... It's fullness of joy. I cannot be in his presence and be crying because a man abandoned me. I cannot be in his presence and be downcast because somebody disappointed me. No, no, no. I cannot be in his presence and then my issue will be this or that. No. Lord, I'm crying to you today. Restore to me the joy that is in the package of salvation. There is joy in that package. There is joy in that package. I need you to earnestly decide and continue hereafter in the name of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus second prayer we're going to pray very similar Isaiah 12 verse 3 it says with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation with joy if you don't have that joy it will seem as if nothing is working Why? the joy is foundational it's foundational. The enemy attacks your joy. Listen to me. I want you, when you go home and sit down, listen to this message again. And then ask yourself, yes, really. Because I thought if I got this. Listen to me. When we were trying to get this place built, how many of us remember them? When we wanted to move out of Meritas. It was as though when we get this place built, we will never have a sad second. Everything. But you see, when we got this place built, we needed a generator. We needed this. We needed this. Now we need that. We need that. We need. You will keep needing things. That's why things will never be the source. The joy will always come from his presence. I need you to cry to the Lord. Lord, whatever it takes, 
God, let me have my joy. Let me have my joy. The joy that comes from you. Not the joy from a marriage. Not the joy from a husband. Not the joy from graduation. Not the joy from money in my pocket. Not the joy from my healing. Not the joy, not, nothing else. Just your presence. Just your presence. Just your presence. Just your presence. Satisfy me, O Lord God, with the joy of your presence. I want to enjoy you. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I am your child. Abba, Father. I love you, Lord. Lord, quicken, O Lord, and awaken my love for you. I give you the praise. Blessed, blessed be your name, O Lord. For in Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. Please, I want to beg you, continue to pray. Lord, I want to enjoy you. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so we're going to continue with this as the Lord will help us. And please just keep praying about it. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.